Welcome to You're Still Doing That, the podcast that talks with folks about their childhood passions that they still do today. Our guest today is Lee County High School Theater legend, the man that plays in a thousand shows. He's been on TV, he's cozy with celebrities, and was a better donkey in Shrek than Eddie Murphy. He's got millions of streams on Spotify, and he was really nice to my kids. Welcome to the podcast, all-around good guy and songwriter, Britton Buchanan. Hey, thank you for having me. I'll, I'll take it all. I'll take it all. <laughs> when I come back to this place and I feel that breeze upon my face, I do remember. All right, so Britton, uh, what was your earliest memory of starting music? It's one of the first things you remember. Oh. Uh, Guitar Hero 3 was a nice. big... Uh, I did that first before... I ever tried to actually play the guitar and I was just so poorly coordinated and, <laughs> and so we tried, you know, T ball and golf. I don't know why golf, but we tried right. golf. Well, that's what and, you do here in the South, right? Yeah. Everybody tries golf. Exactly. Once or twice. And and, you know, upward basketball and I just was, you know, barely hanging on. Yeah. Uh I got past the ball once in upward basketball. <laughs> and and it 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 looked like, you know, I tried to catch it as if it were a baseball. I just like the pass was way over my head, and instead of running to meet up with the pass, it kind of just kept sailing, and I kept walking backwards and backwards, and right. my arms reached and up catch and, the fly ball. Uh, <laughs> and so it was kind of a last ditch effort to like, oh well, he likes playing this video game. Maybe he'll like to try it for real. Yeah. And so uh, that's how it happened as Guitar Hero, and then I started taking lessons from. Kurt Armstead at Buchanan's and uh oh, Buchanan's it sure turned out a lot of musicians over the years sure has and you know God bless him because uh so many people that play the circuit now and and there is a Sanford circuit don't yeah <laughs> let anybody tell you otherwise there's oh, no. a circuit here in town uh all grew up kind of just hanging around Buchanan's Buchanan's yep yeah we were a, a rock band family at my house we did a lot of that we did. We kind of graduated into that once yeah. we found that there was a microphone and drums. Yeah, and yeah. My wife liked to do drums on a rock band. We had yeah. that in the house and <laughs> guitar. Yeah, we did all that too. Yeah, those are uh, that probably launched a few few people's careers. Guitar Hero. I'd assume rock so. Band, or at least their interest in it. Yeah. So, did you ever pick up any instruments when you were little, other than guitar? Uh, I kind of graduated into playing the piano, you know, yeah. through after, but it was, a, it was well after, you know, I started taking lessons when I was eight at guitar. Uh, to be fair, I did take piano lessons when I was like four or five, right. as everybody does. Yeah. And I hated it and didn't stick with it <laughs> as everybody does. And so, uh, um, April Ward, I'm sorry if 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 you ever hear this, because uh, but um, I I don't really count it because I didn't you know didn't register with me as a musical experience, but yeah, I, I was the same way. Yeah, I took lessons forever and I hated it and I wanted out. And my parents made me stay. Yeah, till I graduated high school, and now as a music teacher, I'm like, why didn't I try harder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I lasted for you know like a year and then. I still can't read music, and that was the whole point. I mean, I was learning how to read music. I was probably five, four or five, learning how to read music. Then I took lessons from David Allman in town. Oh, yeah? Uh, when I was about, I had 
kind of taught myself how to play the yeah. piano, but then I was like, I want to learn how to read music. That lasted for like six months, and I was like, I don't really care to learn how to read music. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I still can't read music. But um, yeah, the guitar and piano, I kind of picked that up when I was about 12 years old, but guitar started when I was eight. Yeah. So um, you mentioned uh, Curtis being your first guitar teacher. Who were some of your other teachers coming through? Kurt uh, and... I mean, I took lessons from Kurt for like ten years. Yeah. Like I, I uh, even kind of through the voice. I think that's probably right about when I stopped. Was you know I was still taking weekly lessons up and like while I was on the TV show. Right when I was when I wasn't in LA filming. When I was in town, I was still taking weekly lessons because there's always something to learn. Yeah, you, know? you can always get better, and just the you know. I've, I teach a couple of kids and, and just having somebody, you know, to talk to for the right. first 10 minutes of the lesson is always, um, you know, a, a great help just yeah. in your well, week. He sounds like, like he was a good teacher and he was he re- and a really good guitar player too. If he's still with you to this day, cause you're not shabby yourself. Well, I try, I try. Yeah. He, he, he taught me pretty much everything that I know. And now he's working out in the big leagues with Laney Wilson and touring the country and everything. Well, so, there you go. Yeah. He's yeah, lucky. Man. He's luckier than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you were good to find him because it's one thing to play guitar, but then to be able to get up on stage and sing in front of people and not be worried or uh, insecure about what you got to do. Um, now yeah. that's not, that's be, a whole not being insecure might be a stretch, but, uh, you you find a way to to make it work. I, right. I kind of like the guitar is kind of like it became a, like a safety blanket because yeah. I, I I I'm a pretty deeply like insecure person at heart. I have a friend in L.A. Uh, you know I lived there for a while and um feels like home. You know and I have friends that became family and so my friend Kelly his name's Kelly Kidd also a great artist you should check him out he can be in a room of 10 people that we all know and you know just sing and look at them in the eyes yeah. and perform i can't i can't make myself even with my wife i can't look her in the eyes and sing at the same time <laughs> I, it, uh but the guitar definitely brings out you know it's like a safety blanket well the greatest musicians always have those insecurities yeah so you're right there with good people yeah <laughs> they always yeah, talk I'm about in good company always the greatest ones always talk about uh, the biggest hurdle is getting over the, their personal fears and insecurities but to deliver what everyone else right. is ready yeah you're in good company with that um so uh do you remember what was your very first show that you did first time you were on stage with your yeah, guitar. Well, I did, you know, theater like you mentioned with, you know, Temple and those summer conservatories. But the first time I played guitar and sang in front of people was with the Temple Teens at I think it was at Tramway. Patrick Holt, who still works at yeah, the yeah. Temple, his mom, I think she was a teacher. She was at an Tramway. art teacher at Tramway. Yeah, yeah. She was. so we did a. Uh, my first show with them, which is where I played guitar for the first time, and I didn't play guitar and sing at the same time that show, but played guitar for somebody else and then sang my own song that wasn't in a musical. It was at Tramway probably 2011 or 12 yeah. or something. Um, uh, with the Temple Teens, Tom Dalton was running Temple Teens, who was just like the best mentor that I have you know, ever could have dreamed. Yeah, that's of another organization, Temple Teens. They um, 
Foster. They crank them out. They crank out a lot of, yeah, they're, they're really great about taking um, kids and then elevating their abilities by yeah. the time. Well, you read about things like, you know, Second City, like improv and all yep. that kind of stuff. And the like the groundlings, these groups out of L.A. and Chicago and everything that like I've just cranked out just like, I mean, like Second City is like Steve Carell, Stephen yeah, Colbert, no, uh, all those guys. The yeah, groundlings have come out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder, like, if Sanford was in or will be, you know, will be, you know, yeah. you know like if you have the same resources as a place like new york chicago or, or la there's no doubt in my mind that you know they would be cranking out people that, that there would be that yeah. same kind of legacy of there will be well i think there will be yeah. if it, you know it, it it i embarrassingly but very appreciatively got a proclamation from the mayor at this show in Depot Park for my contribution, whatever you want to call it. And the only thing that I could think of to say afterwards was, you know, like, don't sleep on the scene, you know, yeah, because the musicians, the actors, um, you know, even Spring Lane Cinema is cranking yeah. out their own, their film. own films. Yeah. yeah. Jared over there is doing a great job. And like, to have that is crazy. Like it, yeah. it, it, it's amazing that you have filmmakers, artists, actors. You've got incredible journalism. I mean, Billy and Gordon from the yeah, Rant, the Rant. We love while you're reading the Rant. Yeah, and like the fact that this is some creative hotbed. I mean, people like you and me, we we know it, but like generally, like for the longest time, I guess it's still this way. I mean. I, you know, view it from a different point, not in an egotistical way, but like there, I, I, I have a, a different seat now yes, after the TV show than I, yes, than I do. used to. And so I, I can kind of be a little bit biased because this support is, is, has been just very overwhelming. But I remember playing back when Smoking Barrel was the red sofa yep. and yes, we had six people in there. And it's like the fact that there's like, we have this scene of all these talented people and that people will still think, Oh, there's nothing to do in Sanford. And then you go to these shows and there's 10 people in the audience. It's like people don't understand how yeah. special, you know, it this is. is to have. Right. And then even like we got Depot park now yeah, that hosts shows and there's a crowd of people that show up. It's there's a lot of people show up for those outside well, venues. When I was in Brick City South, which was my band when I was fourteen, uh we at the time had the largest crowd at one of those uh Thursday nights. Yeah. And it was like four hundred people. Yeah. And uh they now I know Tuesday's gone is a national act, but it's the Leonard Skinner tribute band. They had twenty two hundred people out there. It was yes. the official count for Tuesday's gone. And six well, it's been longer than that now. Wow. It's almost ten years ago. Uh <laughs> ten years ago. Um I'm not eighteen anymore. Um, Maggie right. reminds me of that all the time. <laughs> ten years ago, uh the most we had was four hundred people. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. Yeah. No, it's definitely growing. And you're right about a little hotbed. We've got um, all kinds of things to do in here in Sanford. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots of stuff. Now, when you were younger in high school and stuff, you played shows everywhere. It seemed like yeah. anytime there was an event somewhere, be and with Britain Buchanan performing. Yeah. How did you find all those gigs to do? What was your drive to do all that public performance? Well, 
you know, I used to play, like I said, the red sofa when it was red sofa, smoke and barrel, karma, uh, yeah, which is now no longer there. You know, God rest its soul, because that was that was one of those situations. Karma was one of those situations to where what was happening there was beautiful. Yeah, like, and ten people would show up, and she would lose money paying the band one hundred and fifty bucks. Right, which they is not a lot order of one hundred and fifty bucks in coffee. Yeah, no, yeah. and you know. Maybe a calculated error to have a show at eight o'clock at night and be selling coffee, you know, for right? people. But uh, <laughs> but still, like, just people could. I mean, they could have easily paid for the evening. And like after you know a year or two of doing it, like it just wasn't feasible, you know, right. financially to do it anymore. Uh, but uh, which is a shame because again, great music was being made in that place. Yeah. And so I was doing those kind of things, and then part of it too is just like my passion for political activism and so i played a lot of yeah. you know events for different campaigns and different causes and all that kind of stuff so that was you know the motivators was just we had really good venues you know now we're kind of limited to depot park and smoke and barrel uh and obviously the temple theater uh but uh a lot of like smaller venues for good acoustic music and yeah. uh you know during the time when i was in high school um well and even coming up but especially when i was in high school it was probably the most important and charged political atmosphere so there was a lot of yeah that, a lot of opportunities yeah. there as well yeah that time period it sure was coming up there uh you can bet on that so um you did theater at lee county high school what made you want to get i guess through temple teens yeah well so like in the interest of full disclosure, I, I I would never took a drama class. Sorry, Coley. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I did do two. I did two shows there. I did Grease and uh, and Shrek, like you said. And uh, it was very evident very quickly as to why I had stopped doing it at Temple Theater because I just by the time I started, I was like my interests are in a whole other you know right in a whole other. In a whole other place. So no more musical theater for Britain. No, no. <laughs> I, not not you know, miracles happen every day. Right. But I don't think that uh, that's in the cards. Uh, mad respect to it, though, and people the people that are committed to it. I just, um, when you start making a living playing three and a half minute songs with your guitar, it starts <laughs> the commitment to inhabiting another character for two hours becomes incredibly right and well really, not just two hours but like what three months of rehearsal three months of rehearsal yeah i mean i did christmas carol a lot and now god bless peggy tapcorn I, I, I love her so much at the time they had just started doing it and you had to have this whole cast of kids and so we yeah. would do three weeks of rehearsals and sometimes yeah. like 12 hour rehearsals yeah and then three weeks of shows and i think they figured out now that like Maybe the school system has cracked down on it because now they have you know alternating casts yes. of kids. I was going to say they don't do that anymore. They don't do it anymore. But we were doing you know Thursday, I Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because they were do they were doing like yeah, the kids. I was thinking, is that even legal? Because that's like an yeah. adult. I mean, thing, we, man. That's yeah, long hours. For we would have kid. student matinees on Friday. Sometimes we would we would have matinees on Thursdays as yeah. well. Two o'clock matinees. So we would be getting out of school at noon on Thursdays and then not really going in on Fridays because you had a 9 a.m. student matinee and a 7 o'clock performance that night. So yeah. the last thing you wanted to do was go to school. That's Sometimes right. we did, you know, but like 
Uh, and it was only three Fridays, but then when you get into like half a day on Thursday, half a day on Friday, those kind of absences, I guess, add up. I was also in private school at that point, so that I, I probably could have bent the rules. And, you know, it, by the time I got out of private school, which was the best thing that ever happened to me, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I wasn't doing, you know, the shows anymore. So, yeah, I did musical theater for a little bit. Taught me a lot about how to sing a song. Right. Yeah projection and all yeah. that yeah and you know how to be a character you know how to sing a song from a character's point of view uh but i don't think it's in the cards any, any, <laughs> anymore yeah well you never know a career is long and a life is yeah long. never oh, say never hopefully all those are very long so you never know the right thing might come around yeah say somebody say hey Britain, i got a show about about a guy that comes through in a small town and <laughs> sings his own stuff and we need somebody with that kind of experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would, I, I, the only thing I'd ever want to do, I think that if somebody said, you do what you want to do is if, if, if it was like a golden, like you don't have to audition. That makes me, uh, that's just laziness. It's yeah. not entitlement. Uh, you don't have to audition, but we want you to play Mark and rent. Then I would be like, okay, oh, I'll do it. I'll just I stand there rent. with a camera and sing some songs. And yeah. Oh, we love Rent. That was one of my, or my wife's favorite. So she's, uh, we've must have seen about eight times, maybe a dozen times. We've yeah. seen it a lot. A I lot, love a lot. that show. You know, again, that goes back to my activist side. Like it's, it's an important, important piece of, of history, that yeah. show. Yeah, we love Rent over here. So um, I came to know you. Well, I feel like, you know, through social media, it's yeah. like you think you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so, but you've never really met in like real life but she like feel like you know right. somebody you see their stuff so you're i mean our paths have crossed we've been in the same bubble for for, for yeah. a lot of different times and uh but i don't know if we've like really really ever chatted or met, met. so i'm gonna stand my hand and yeah. say hey Brad. it is nice to me if I, nice, nice to officially right just, like, but, sit down and talk yeah we've um been in the same like bubble of people for a long time yeah and so i first really came to know you when you were at lee county high school mm -hmm. and my kids were doing uh, a play with mr coley um and man schoolhouse rock yes yeah, to show uh -huh. and uh so they were in that uh as mr coley does a great job of bringing elementary kids into the high school productions yeah and a great way of self-sustaining that program uh, so my three kids were in there, and you were a co-director on that yeah. one. Yeah, this was a best Christmas pageant ever was the one I was co-directing. Okay, so maybe that was it. You were working with them. My kids did several yeah. plays over there, and you were like a co-director, they yeah. called you. And this was during The Voice, too. This was and, so, and so we were there, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, Brent's going to be gone for a little while. He's going to a music camp. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm an educator in Lee County Schools and I'm thinking, how can a kid just go? He's the, They said he's going to be gone for a month or two and then just come <laughs> back. I was like, what? I was like in a music camp and I was like, can they do that? I guess so. And But we were all like, well, it's Britain. He does a lot of shows and yeah, yeah, he sings. You... But so we just, everybody just kind of rolled with it, right? Sounded very doable. And then you came back and uh, for music camp and... <laughs> And continued on, and uh, and then it was a Christmas show. Uh, well, then then we found out that you weren't at music camp. No, well, it was a very elaborate music. Well, camp. it was a very yeah. elaborate music camp, but it was a music camp. We had found out 
that you had gotten on The Voice, auditioned. And so we were like, oh my God, (laughs) he made it through on The Voice. And I can tell you, um, uh, we, you did a show, uh, Alexa Hughes show choir over there did like a Christmas performance. And then there were several students that did their own solo piece. Uh And you did a piece on there. I don't even remember what it was, but you were performing and it was next level stuff because we were sitting right there on the front row and I think my kids performed with whatever was going. Must have been the best Christmas yeah, yeah, ever. Yeah. And then afterwards, there were student uh, student performances, and so you did a tune and you came out, and I was like, the people in this in Lee County Auditorium here, they have no idea what they're <laughs> listening to right now. I was like, this is not Britton Buchanan. I probably had no idea what I was. I doing was like, either. this <laughs> sounds. I was like, everything about this is high quality, next level. I was like, this is on a whole nother level. I was like, I could tell from you coming back from The Voice and then having been in that area with those producers and that level of talent. And then you performed whatever tune you did. It was incredible. Oh, thank you. I just remember thinking, oh, man, this is is stellar. I was like, I don't think anybody knows what they're really listening to. This is not Britain from old days. This is a new kind of Britain right now that we're hearing. And so I was blown away at the growth that came from you. It was really, really good. Well, you, you never underestimate. And again, this is why being a, a part of the scene, it was kind of, you know, I moved back here uh, from L.A. to, you know, get engaged and get married because Maggie was still in school at the time. And I didn't want to seem like I could just it didn't it didn't feel right to me to just move back and then act like I, oh I'm just a part of this scene right, you know right, what right. I mean cuz I didn't want it like there are people that put work in all, all the time that I didn't want I didn't want to take lightly but that's the same thing with the with the voice and going and living in a hotel and being sequestered with all these just incredibly talented people is the same thing about being plugged into the scene here it's like never underestimate being around people who are great at what you do yeah because it elevates you yes it does in, in an incredible amount and it doesn't they don't have to be pop artist or folk artist or country artist or whatever just to be around somebody who is great at what you do will make you better just by yes, absorbing what they do yeah you know the, the the story the line goes you know uh, you know, always surround yourself with good people. Mm-hmm. And that goes around with whatever you do. And you're exactly right. Um, yeah. If you're around great people, then you're going to elevate yourself too. Right. Yeah. The goal is to be, to be around people that are better than you, yeah. you know, because, you know, if they're as good as you are, then, then, you know, you'll kind of just, all of you will just kind of sit there, you know, and right. you'll, you'll stay. But like, especially as a musician, you know, there's, competitiveness in musicians is incredibly like you know i would be lying if i said whenever i'm booked to open for somebody that i wouldn't that i don't go into it thinking by the time i get off the stage i wish that i want them to wish that they went before me you know what i mean like that is a thing as a performer that like you're like you have to just go crush it and like show that like you know you don't want people to feel like they they can follow you, you know, you, right. and, and so you want 
people that are that good, you know, that yeah. are better than you, because then that pushes you. Like, if you don't, if you feel like, oh, there's no way to follow that, then you're going to go out and give the best performance of your life. Right. You're you going to have to crank it up. Yeah. And that's how it is with songwriting is that was the greatest thing about The Voice was making friends. And you get close enough that you're like, well, listen to this that I wrote or listen yeah. to this that I wrote. Or, oh, I worked on this last night. And to just sit in one of those rooms in the hotel that we were sequestered at and like those ballrooms or conference rooms or yeah, whatever yeah. that they had rented out for us. And we could go really anytime during the day and you would just, you know, sign up for a 30 minute slot, say, do you guys want to come? We'll play, play some songs and just listening right. to the, this, you know, you would never find these people if not no, you for the not. show. A uh, 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 lady named Maud Latour is was on the voice with me and she had great original music um and i mean it's so good that like i was like i learned it and covered it in front of her without her like i didn't want to tell her that i was learning her song I was like <laughs> i, I love this song right? so much she didn't even make it on the show she auditioned no one turned around and you know they were actually incredibly like uh very not delicate with the with their criticisms oh yeah right now she has more followers than anybody that i was on the show with wow and she just played Lollapalooza. she's Oof. on a sold out countrywide well, tour there you go playing you know you know 700 like places like cat's cradle she's like yep. selling them out headlining and like she didn't even make it and right. like those are the people that we were around Yes. On a daily basis, listening to what they had to write and what they had to say and how they had to say it. And that was the best part of that entire experience was just hearing music. Yeah, being around all that talent and just being able to soak it in. Yeah. Right. For that long period of time that you had. Yeah. You can't help but yeah. get better and listen to tips and tricks and people. And they're like, oh, why don't you do something this way? And all these yeah. little Mozarts all... Yeah, in a room, right? Because that's what he was known for, like making people listen to people's music and say, "Oh, you could do it this way." Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> and make it better. Yeah, room full of Mozart's there. It's great. There's that Tom Petty story about "I Won't Back Down," where he's writing, you know, "I Won't Back Down," and the original line was, you know, the chorus, "Hey, baby, we're living on the edge of the world," and he played it for George Harrison, and he was like, "I don't think that's the line. I think maybe you should say." There ain't no easy way out. And yeah. and Tom was like, maybe I should. And that's and, what's in there, yeah. And that's what's in there. Yeah. And it just came from a little nudge. And, you know, <laughs> hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. That's, yeah. a, be that's a way better line than... Give me my writing credit, yeah. George Harrison yeah. says. Yeah, <laughs> 10%. I want it. <laughs> All right, so a few questions about The Voice. I'm sure you've been asked a billion questions about The Voice. Well, I don't get tired of talking about it. Uh, but uh, from my standpoint, um, as uh, being in a little bit of music and running different kind of music groups, I was watching you on there thinking all kinds of backstage questions I had about yeah. what leads up to what we see yeah. on the TV. And so if you're not allowed to mention anything, you can just say uh, no comment or whatever. Yeah. Um, We're under a $5 million NDA. Right. That's right. And I'm going to talk like I have $5 million and $1. Uh, that's right. So, so I won't be broke. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so uh, so what was, um, 
Oh yeah. So when you first went on there, mm-hmm. um, during your blind audition, so, uh, I should have watched that episode back again. I was trying to remember, uh, but Adam, I think wanted you, but Blake he had blocked, blocked him, you yeah. and then you went team Alicia. Now, how did that feel about standing there after you perform and then the judges have all their little drama? <laughs> so I was just talking about this like a, about a month ago, and I finally realized how, because everyone says, who who's nice? Like Blake Shelton, he must be a nice guy. Yeah. Blake Shelton is a nice person. But everybody, all the other three coaches, Adam and Kelly and Alicia, were very involved in every with everybody. Yeah. And Blake was always very like, I talked to him twice, you know, in the six months that I was on the show at post blind audition and I talked to everybody else a ton. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I just realized a month ago how, you know, disrespectful it might've been for him to have blocked, you know, Adam and then to have gone, cause you only get one Yeah, to have gone with another coach and so i don't think i fully realized ah, that like so maybe oh, when someone like... says that you that you they want you so bad that they use their They're one and block only it. block that you might should go with the with person, person. <laughs> and i didn't but um uh that was i mean that was a you know a surreal moment so I was yeah, there for a month. Now, you know. the girl that won your episode, Bryn, yeah. who was her coach? I don't... Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. But uh, for, for that uh, blind, wonk, I was... Wonk, Blake. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was there for a month, you know, up until that point. September through October of 2017. And so you're just rehearsing and shooting B-roll. It was actually... It's pretty insane that we were there for a month. So you were a month just for that... For that. For that tryout. Yeah, so by the time that I, I came back to do... To, you know co-direct that show that's all that we had done was the blind audition and you do like interviews and b-roll but it was really a very like lazy time comparatively to when to you say, go back what do you do for a month for that uh the 10 minutes you were on tv yeah. what do you what do you do for a whole month for so 10 minutes? that's when i really got to listen to other people's music but were you there with all the other contestants yeah that there was also? like 94 of us or something oh my God. and that with 48 slots and so you were kind of like you know if i make it and that was a big if i didn't think i was going to but if i make it half of these people aren't going to be back when we right. come back and so you know we, we filmed again january february for that month for the battles and the knockout. So that was yeah. definitely a busier time than just Right. Um it's a lot than of just rehearsal the first one. during that time. Yeah. But so my behind the scenes uh little story there was I was incredibly nervous, which was the only time that whole time that I that I ended up getting nervous. But I was nervous because I was I was the first person showed on TV as yeah. if I was the first person to audition. I was the fourth Right, they don't do anything that, yeah. in the timeline. I was yeah, the yeah. fourth on the first day, and the three people in front of me made it. And I thought, there's no way right. they're going for a, a fourth, fourth yeah. in a row. Because there's only 48 slots, you know? Yeah. And it's five days, assuming uh, they didn't make it through everybody. And until, for you know, there were people that were there for that month that never got to audition because the teams filled up. Oh my god! So they didn't even get to hear people. Yeah, n- yeah, yeah. Like a whole like probably twenty to thirty people that they didn't. Oh even my hear. god! There's people that come and then they don't even get to play. Stay for a month. Yeah, and uh, now they, I'm, I'm, 
90% sure that if you don't get to be heard that like the next go around. Oh, they know. pull you in the next. Um, round. but, uh, but so I get up there and I'm like, there's no way I'm making it again because yeah. there's 48 slots, 94 people or They've so. already taken three. They've people. already taken three. And that was Bryn and, uh, a friend of mine named Jemai and, uh, this guy named Brett who did a, a ukulele cover of She's a Bad Mamma Jamma. Oh, uh, my God, ukulele. That's a great t- a it, great instrument for it, that. It was. And uh, I uh, I went and, you know, sang Trouble and the track yep. kicks out, and everything. And then I went to sing that first line. And I tell you, if you mess this song up, you're not going to get right, a redo. Right. Like, you just have to keep going. And my microphone wasn't on. They hadn't cut my microphone on, or the microphone had died or something. Yeah. And so I just kept singing. And here I am, like, thinking, like, well, this is it. This they is told it. me yeah. I didn't get a re- redo. So we got, like, into the chorus. Still couldn't hear anything. I was still just going and singing. Uh, and they were like, okay. They cut, they stopped the song, and they were like, we're so sorry. We're going to give you an opportunity to go again. Right. We're going to switch out microphones. And so by the time I sang the first line, the crowd went crazy. I think solely because they felt bad they for felt me. They felt they're cheering you but on. But yeah. I have a very dry sense of humor. And I was so nervous. And that put me at ease in a heartbeat. I thought yeah. it was so funny. You're they like, were well, so uh, worried. They were like, You're probably you okay? like, I'm toast now because of this. So yeah, they, what do they I got said, to lose? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I was laughing i think they thought that i would be upset i i was hysterically laughing i thought it was so funny because yeah. i have luck like that and so that would happen you know to me uh and i was immediately just at ease the, for the rest of the audition yeah. uh, and so uh that's my little behind the scenes tidbit that no <laughs> one saw on tv was that was they, your second try that was my second go at things yeah, yeah. So they got to hear you twice. I don't know how well the judges could hear you. I don't think they heard me the first time. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what how uh, how far your voice travels. They on heard there, the track though. That's for sure. That's yeah. all I could hear too. So um, when you were there for like rehearsals, like who is rehearsing with you? Is it is your mentor like there and working yeah. with you, or is it like a team of producers? Well, you have the obviously the band, but like. For the blinds, it was just like the band, and then there were producers in the room, but they didn't really do anything. Know, do anything. For the rest of the show, you have one rehearsal with your coach, and then another rehearsal without the day after. And so I basically describe it to people like this: Monday was like rehearsals all day, and then the live show at night. Yeah. Tuesday, you rehearsed for the results, you know, and then you had the live show at night. You found out if you got through your song on Tuesday night. So Wednesday was your on-camera rehearsal and like wardrobe and stuff. And Thursday was your off-camera rehearsal, maybe some B-roll and all that stuff. Friday, again, was probably wardrobe and B-roll. And then we recorded our song for iTunes. I don't think they do that anymore, or at least if they do, they don't do it as... um, for each, for as early as they do, because we we were right. the last season where you recorded your blind audition song. We recorded that when we got back in January, yeah. but uh, you recorded that, and I think that maybe they just do live songs now, which you know that's thanks to streaming because it yeah, used yeah, yeah. you used the votes would be on how you purchased the song or how many streams your song yeah. got, and now I think 
you know that no one buys music anymore Nobody so that not. so they they wait till the live rounds that's if they still record but we would record on friday i was still in school so i usually got saturday off until it got to the last two weeks and then everything was just so crazy that i had to do saturday um sunday was it like a dress rehearsal with with cameras and everything yeah, yeah. and then monday you were live again and so there's a rehearsal. Your first rehearsal is on camera with your coach, and then you have a rehearsal the next day without them, and then that's Wednesday and Thursday. And then by Friday, they have the band's already recorded the track, and you're singing it for iTunes. So you better have it figured out exactly how you want to do it. Yeah, because you're gonna cut it on Friday, you know. Right. And so, uh, yeah, you rehearse with your mentor, but. That's maybe like a half hour, you know. It's not not that not that long. You run it like two or three times, and they give you. You run it once, they give you suggestions. Yeah. You run it again. If they need to do it again, they'll do it one more time. You know, right? It's very short. So most of that rehearsal is on your own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how does the band, um, the backing band, how do they get that music together? Is that a, how much input do you have? In That's there? a great question. See, the only thing really arrangement-wise that I had a very big input on was when I did What's Love Got to Do With It. Uh, yeah. Because I, we had rehearsed that as an option for a prior round, I believe. And um, it didn't. They went, I think maybe it was for my playoff round. And so they yeah. ended up doing, I think we had it narrowed down to what's love got to do with it and some kind of wonderful. And Alicia ended up going with some kind of wonderful. So by the time we got to what's love got to do with it, I just was like, I have this idea, you know? Yeah. And uh, I had a really big hand in the arrangement of all that kind of stuff. But other than that, we really stuck with the recordings. Um you know, they cut anything down to three and a half minutes is your max. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they, they make the cuts. But arrangement-wise, we stuck with the recordings, except what I've got to do with it was very different. Right. You just had a good idea for that. Yeah, and I, then it they, was just moody. They rolled with it. Yeah. That was cool, too, because during the rehearsal for that, we didn't rehearse with the band for our on-camera rehearsal. We rehearsed with... They were doing this week where they took people out of the, their normal situations. And I think... Adam took his team to a recording studio. Blake took his team to a bar and they rehearsed with the acoustic. But we rehearsed, you know, I was still on the Universal lot, but they had this piano in this room and we would pick the songs and they, the band made the sheet music for the coaches. And so Alicia, you know, played right. piano and I played guitar and we rehearsed it on camera as just me and Alicia playing right. together. And that was cool is when you're like, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh, me and Alicia Keys are. Jamming. Just playing music, just yeah, the yeah, two yeah. of us right now. Um, and so that's the only arrangement I really had an input on. Yeah, so I bet the band, you know, all bet those folks are super, like, elite. They can just, like, roll at the drop of a hat on stuff. And the nicest dudes, they, yeah. Alicia paid for me to cut a whole album right after the show. It never came out. It's It's a rock album, but, like... When we were talking to managers, we chose to go in a different direction, which was more like, how do we make it this accessible to a mainstream audience? And so I started working with like pop producers and all that kind of stuff. But we, she paid the band and we cut a whole record yeah. in 
two days in July of we cut the tracks in two days in July of 2018 right after the show yeah. and they had some of the band had done like EPs and everything before but that's the only time they had ever up until that point at least I can't speak for now that's the only time they had ever played some as the band on as somebody's full length yeah. record and so I have a whole record with them of my songs that I wrote you know by myself right, right. when I was 16 and 17 years old and we cut a whole a whole album together um, in a studio called, oh gosh, oh man, I forget the name of it now, but it was Paul Allen when Paul Allen was still alive, co-founder of Microsoft, yeah. his house. And he had this studio and he kept asking Alicia's engineer, Ann, come cut something at the studio. And they yeah. were like, free of charge, just come cut something right? at the studio. We want you to hear how it sounds. And so mine was like the test record oh my to God. see if they were going to work there. And then like three months later, he died, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, we had he had this massive guitar collection, and I had my guitars there, but I didn't even play any of mine because he had like Mike Campbell from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers had a signature guitar, and Mike had personally given one of them to Paul Allen, and eh. so I played that on the whole yeah. record. Oh and the God. acoustic was a Robbie Robertson from the band, uh, a signature Robbie Robertson guitar that Robbie had given to Paul Allen and signed and everything. Wow, and so. Those were the guitars I played on the record, yeah. and it never came out. Alicia sang back up on one of the songs. Oh, my God. And I just have it sitting in my emails. I don't even have it downloaded. It's just sitting in my Gmail account. So, so why is that not out for people to hear? So, I am... What, this is my... It's a very unfortunate trait that I have. It's not that I don't handle criticism well. It's just that when I know somebody is right... That's kind of it for me. And right. so, um, like, you know, Maggie will say, like, you know, like, oh, like, we could be going to a movie or something. She'd be like, oh, I hate that I didn't get all my work done before we go. And I would be like, we don't have to go. I'll just cancel. I'll just refund the tickets. Right, right, it's right. fine. We don't have to go. Like, that's how I am. And so we were talking. I was on a trial period with a manager, and I played, to introduce myself to him, I played acoustic versions of a couple of those songs yeah and then we played the produced versions and he was like i just don't get the same feeling from the produced versions that i do of you like sitting across from me with just you and your guitar playing these songs and that was it for me and i was like how do do we Mm. how do we do it you need some more opinions sir i do i do you need some more opinions alicia at some point was like yeah i just wanted you to be able to like get these songs out of your system and like start fresh like because when you have a backlog you just need to get them down and yeah yeah yeah. and so and then i started working with other writers and i had never co-written up until that point everything that we cut was stuff i had written in my bedroom by myself and um you know i'm kind of happy that it didn't come out my voice has matured a lot not even in it. it's changed like, t- like tonally i'm a more healthy singer than i was yeah oh i'm then. sure all that experience you've had yeah and so i think i you know i sound better now there are things that i would do different and there are some songs that i listen to where i'm like oh <laughs> why did i make that choice yeah why i was you can tell i was 17 yeah well 18. i mean it worked at that point that's for it sure it did it did yeah you need more ears on those uh out on those songs now can you take that music and like do your own version of it if you want to do are you allowed to yeah I'm still, redo them and and, yeah. and put them out if you want yeah yeah I, I own all of them i probably could put that out if i wanted to right you know i would just have to make a, a, a call to alicia and just be like is this is fine uh 
But hmm. I mean, it's a, it's since a nice, I, since nice I person to have on speed dial. It is. It is. <laughs> it's so funny. This is not a brag. It's so awkward. But I have her by accident, and I don't know how, as the only person in my favorites. And it, I don't know how to get it off because I'm not technologically right. advanced. And I, in my car, it pops up when I go to click on my phone. And it's the first thing. It's the first thing. And I try favorites. to, like, when I go to, like, you know, hit recent or whatever to call somebody back i'm so scared that i'm gonna You're accidentally butt dial Alicia Keys. <laughs> and, and I, I i don't do that you know i don't we we don't have a well we have a good, really good relationship and we're close but we don't have like a just wanted to catch Checking up in. you know like right 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 I, I try not to my dad god bless my dad but my dad is like you need to talk to people more and i'm like yeah but with you know people like that like you don't want to just waste their time by just like how are you do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so i try not to call if i have a reason so i should probably figure out how to take her off of my i don't even know how i favored her that's the thing (laughs) is is um not that she's not one of my favorites because she is uh but uh i need to figure out how to rectify that situation yeah well yeah definitely have someone listen to that those tunes because i mean i'm not i don't have any experience but i would think when like somebody puts out like a song like a felicia puts out a song probably had lots of people listen to this thing before it eventually gets out yeah probably lots of years on something yeah they groove some of them really groove yeah some of them are not so great but but it's about half and half uh one of them juliet's lullaby is a song that i ended up recutting and put out yeah well i'm just gonna bring that up a little later down my yeah. list here yeah because so, i was jamming all your stuff this morning so it'd be oh, fresh yeah, in my head yes yeah, yeah that was a song we recut so uh sounds very different uh From the original yeah, yeah. And, and i think in a good way it it, it it worked all right so um uh you came runner up in yep. the voice which i think probably is some pros and cons yeah uh, to both, um, you come in second or coming in first. Because when you come in first, you got all kinds of contractual yeah. things that now you're set in stone that you yeah. got to do. And when you're second, you probably have tons of freedom. You do uh, yeah. to kind of do what you want. So, um, so what was your what was your music life like after finishing that and then kind of being open? It was. One, one, that's a great blessing because I've gotten to do what I've wanted to right. do, you know, the entire time. If I was signed to a record label, you know, we were talking about before we started out a podcast interviewing 80s horror icons or whatever you yeah. call it, I probably couldn't have just done that, you know? Yeah, right, right. Like, you have, like, managers and stuff. Uh, the, the, now, they can, if you make it to a certain point, they can. They have 90 days to exercise whatever right they want to exercise on you. And so I wrote... I was the only person that wrote their song for the last round when I wrote the song Where You Come From, which is based on this Flannery O'Connor book called Wise Blood. And uh, Universal Publishing, I don't know if it was, if the conversation stopped there, if it was the entertainment lawyer that was working on behalf of us for The Voice just stopped communicating. But like, there was a very solid chance that I was getting signed to universal publishing group as a writer because they declined every option you know they have 90 days right they have you know management record deal writing your life rights yeah not even joking your life rights your story (laughs) rights all that stuff and they 
almost signed me to a publishing deal. And again, I don't know if it fell apart because Universal just was like, never mind. Or if the entertainment lawyer, when I followed up, he called me, said they're interested. I called him again and never heard back from him. So I, I, right. I don't know what, what happened there, but I came close to being you know, signed to it as a writer to Universal right. Publishing Group, which would have been, you know, pretty, you know, very sacrificial. Yes. Uh, royalty split, you know. Yeah. Um, not how, not where you would want it to be as a songwriter. Right. You'd write a song and then somebody else would probably perform yeah. it. Yeah. You'd, right. Yeah, if they pick else, it up, if they pick it yeah, up. Yeah. They would perform it, you know, and then you're only getting you know i can't remember the exact split but you know it's not a lot it's not it's not there's a sizable chunk of the already small you know income yeah. off of songwriters and streaming that's going to get taken out because you know they're your publisher so they get yeah. however many percent you know i don't i can't remember the specifics and so uh i don't want to speculate uh but uh i uh you know a bad Elvis is, you know, deal with his manager was 50 50 yeah. and that was unprecedented. And so it wasn't that bad, <laughs> but it mm -hmm. was definitely, you know, like more than you would want your cut to be. So right. I kind of dodged a bullet, even though I do, you know, my interests have gone in different areas. And sometimes I feel like I would just like to be a songwriter that writes songs for other people and just, yeah. you know, have well, a, there's a slew that. of people that um, have real long careers. Yeah, Taylor right. Phillips from Sanford, who li literally you can see the top of his house from oh, here, is, that it? Uh, yeah. is uh, uh, you know, he works just as a songwriter. And like, yeah. you kind of get that, you know, and Taylor's very successful. And so like you get, you get, you, you live a good life without having to be. Without having to. Hounded uh, and yeah, yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so. Yeah. I can see where that would probably be where I would want to do too. You don't have to be the face of something. Exactly. Uh, but you still are a part of it, you know? Right. And that's kind of stuff I've been thinking about. But, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been so bad to be a universal publishing writer. But uh, uh, contractually, I was free from everything because I think the only person that they picked up was Bryn. And they're obligated to pick her up because she right, won. Right, she won. Yeah, yeah. But from what I heard i think they used to exercise a lot of their rights when the show was still when it was getting off the ground and really popular and the longer it's went on you know it's no secret that like the voice doesn't crank out superstars right you know, like american idol did for like three seasons and it doesn't do that anymore either and so yeah um i think they realized they were probably losing money by signing all the these people run. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it is um you sort of uh you don't get a ton of superstars out of the no. The show's not like, you know, bona fide for, for several years. You don't, yeah. you're, you're Carrie Underwoods and you're Kelly Clarkston. No, and, not anymore. Um, well, and, and truthfully, there's so many shows like that now. Yeah. People can do, I guess maybe you water down the talent pool or oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but. Also, just because, it sounds harsh, but it is true. Just because you can sing doesn't mean you're an artist. And just because yeah. you're an artist doesn't mean you can sing. And so if it's all about your voice, like. I mean, Bob Dylan is the greatest songwriter of all time and one of my biggest influences. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you he can sing. Now, no. I love his voice. I think if if, if the idea of, of what constitutes a great singer, a pretty voice or an ability yeah. to tell a story, it's a story then I telling. think maybe he's yeah. the greatest singer maybe that's ever lived. But 
not a pretty voice. So when you get down to judging whose voice is prettiest, then that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be left with who's the best who's got the writer best or the best performer yeah. or the best artist. Yeah, 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 and so, uh, and that's no shade to anybody that has ever been on those shows. I just <laughs> think that that's what you run into is like there's there's a, there's, well, there's not longevity in a voice. Yeah. Your voice wears out after a while, but there's longevity in your artistry. So that's right. If there's yeah, the stronger the artist, the stronger their career. Yeah, probably a lot of people are like, hey, I got a good voice. And then they they try to roll with it, yeah. But, um, but they may not have the fundamental background required to make it be long term. Yeah. Well, this is going to sound insensitive, but it is true. I say it all the time. The best thing to happen for to Janis Joplin was that she died when she was twenty seven years old. Her voice was on its way out. She it was shot. She could barely sing, so she was left with these three albums of really great vocal right. work, and. She never had time to burn out or, you know, blow her voice out or not have that kind of thing. And I think that that's what happens to all singers is, is if all you have is your voice, because, you know, Janis Joplin didn't write me and Bobby McGee. She did. Right. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if she wrote Peace of My Heart or anything like that. But uh, like if all you've got is your voice, it, it leaves. It changes. You know? Yeah. You know, and yeah. so. And I love those songs, by the way. No shade to Janis Joplin, but all those people that you know, the Twenty Seven Club, Kurt Cobain yeah. and Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin—they're all yeah. solidified by they weren't alive long enough to make bad records, you know. Right. And so they kind of avoided the whole, you know. Eric Clapton makes really yeah. bad music now. <laughs> you know, he's like old and tries to write new music, and it's not very right. good. You know, and they they avoided that curse right. of what happened to these people that were popular in 1967 and now they have put out an album in 1984 and it sounds right. like a commercial you know what i yeah. mean like that she avoided that yeah yeah that is something weird that 27 club how that's popped around for decades oh yeah mm. all right so uh you get wrapped up with the voice um how did the voice influence your career choices after that after being on that show yeah. what what was your decision making like after that? Well, I didn't go to college. You know, I was going to go to college. So I skip, skip school, skip oh. town. You still know? time, still time. There's still time, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, I see the benefits of it now more than not even at a career, but just of like socially. And I'm a big reader, so I'm a big learner. And so like I like I'm supposed to hate school as a musician, but this right. is not in my blood. But yeah. uh, all the great musicians are like, "Screw school! I'm not exactly. going to school." Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, my cousin Link Neal is Rhett and Link. They have a popular YouTube channel. Has been around for a long time and very successful. And so Link said, "Why don't you move into my house for a year in LA?" And so I moved to LA yeah. instead of going to college. That's the biggest way that it has affected my life is introduced me to a second home in yeah. Los Angeles and a second family that has really like enhanced my personhood and my career and my songwriting in the most beautiful of ways. Yeah, it got such a big scene you could get in there. Yeah. And it Lots birthed my, my love for the Lakers and that is yes. runs, runs deep. Yeah, Laker fan here myself. You are a Laker oh, fan. Well, I'm West Coast born, man. Yeah. So yeah, I've got all that. Uh, we were born in. I was born in L.A. County. So right on, dude. Like yeah. I let me and like 
I'm a massive, massive, massive Lakers fan. Maggie hates it because the games come on so late here. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I didn't miss a game last year. I watched a hundred something games and oh, from wow. start to finish. I'm a massive Lakers fan, and yeah. so uh, that you know maybe that has affected my career. I sing the national anthem a lot more than I used to because because uh, <laughs> that that that's how it affected my career. Yeah, I, didn't you sing it for? What you, you did? I saw you post something online. I sang, sang it, it for the Lakers. Yeah, uh, I've sung it for a couple franchises, but I really want to do the Lakers. I'm trying to angle to do it again this year. Uh, it's a little too early to send in a ask. I got it hooked up last year. I have a friend that you know worked with AEG at the time that yeah. That, I, he didn't hook it up, but he was like, "This person has a has is looking for who to contact." You know, right. like push your name through the right door. Yeah, like where where's an e- like what's an email I can send to for him to contact the right person? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. kind of thing. And so I have the contact now, so I'm going to try to do it. But I sang it at the Lakers Pelicans game. It was very early on in the season, and LeBron had a virus, and so uh, it's just shame when the greatest player of all time is like, "Oh, I'm not feeling great tonight. Let me just drop 20." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you're like, "That's hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> That's hard yeah. to do." Uh, but uh, they played the Pelicans, and before Zion was hurt, and it was one yeah. of the best games I've ever. We went mm. into overtime. They gave us four fifth row seats behind the basket we weren't nice. even like high enough up to be in the stands we were on the floor yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. the coolest thing yeah i bet so man you've been watching uh, did you watch uh winning time winning time is one of the greatest yes, television it's awesome, series it? it's yeah i've been loving watching that one and it's over now yeah, yeah it i got know canceled well, yeah, the ending was like, oh, my God, this is done. Like, I don't the ending think is an over-over. In- I don't think they intended when they were filming it that it was going to get canceled because why do you leave your series off when the Lakers right. lose to Boston? Like, yeah. you know, like the 84 championship, like they, they we, we lost, you know? Right, but and I'm they- like, why didn't you not, like... Go just, just go through all of that. Get to eighty seven. You know we beat the right. Celtics in eighty seven. I'm a massive Lakers history buff, <laughs> and so I love winning time. But Adrian Brody's Pat Riley and yeah, Jason so, Siegel, so good, wasn't you know, it? Uh, John C. Yeah. Riley, and then Norm Nixon, our point guard. That's yeah. his son that plays Norm Nixon. You're kidding. That's his son. Oh my god, it's crazy, and he's great. And you know he looks yeah, like he was Norm great. Nixon, and you know he's got that swagger and, and like. That's his son. That's crazy. The guy that plays Magic is great. Yeah. You know, I wish I'm a big Kareem fan. Like, yeah. I have a Kareem jersey. I've got a bunch of stuff signed by Kareem and all that stuff. I like the guy that played him, but like, I, I thought they hammed up the Kareem is a jerk and he's too yeah. serious thing. Yeah. Uh, they did lean on that a lot. They leaned on it a lot. Um, and Kareem talks about, you know, this is so funny. Sorry for everybody who's listening, but Kareem <laughs> talks about a lot how. That you know, magic made him w- learn to love to play the game and smile and everything. And you would never know by watching the show. No, that, you that, wouldn't. But no, uh, he's very stoic. And but I think you know you got to take your artistic liberties. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It made it made great TV. Yeah, it did. I was sad to see that it was over because the ending was like, oh, we're done. They just wrapped up the whole late rest of the Lakers history at the end yeah. of the show, and I was like, what? We're gonna really not getting any more. Well, Jeff Perlman, who wrote the book. Um, Showtime yeah. also wrote a book called Three Ring Circus, which is about the Kobe and Shaq yeah. three P. And I thought like maybe get one of those. they wrap up the eighties because obviously with Kobe, with Kobe's death, like Kobe's yeah. kind of been immortalized. And I was like, we might get we might get like a, Shaq a Kobe, Kobe Shaq series. And 
like now knowing that that's like not i mean mm-hmm. i'm not going to count it out maybe they'll do another series called three ring circus or can something. you imagine having that series on and then having like Shaq do commentary on whoever's playing him yeah yeah well, so funny. all the lakers hated winning time Jeannie yeah. Buss said, she, I, I watch it because I miss my dad. And like, it reminds me of my dad. But all the players were like, the way they portray us. Oh, I'm sure. You know? Yeah. You know, I met Michael Cooper. You did? Yeah. Sweet. And like, he's like one of the, he was one of the, he got pushed out of the starting five once they got like James Worthy yeah. and Byron Scott and those guys. But like pretty much, probably besides Magic and Kareem, the most influential like yeah, I remember watching player. him as a kid, Cooper being part of that role, Byron yeah. Scott and Worthy. Michael Cooper, I, his son makes merch, and his son was making merch for me for a little bit, and we were in L.A., and, and I was like, I'd love to meet your dad if he's around. I met him the day before I sang the anthem for yeah. the Lakers, and they were like, yeah, meet us at this high school he coaches at before he goes in. Nicest dude, and I was like, man, this wow. guy's got five rings. He's coaching at the high school. He's coaching at the high school, Culver <laughs> City High School. It's crazy. Wow. Man, that's crazy. All those different opportunities you got to do just by staying in L.A. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you. it's, you know, there's like a force field of just, yeah. you know, incredible mm. opportunities. Uh, well, that's wonder. Once that door gets open, all the floodgates of other doors yeah. that are possible. Yeah. You just uh, got to say yes to everything, you know, right? I've learned. And be present. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, um Sorry for all that Laker talk, people, but he just I'm said not Lakers. Sorry. I I'm not like, sorry. Wow. I, I was share like, it with Woo. everybody. Um, so, uh, you get, <laughs> so Jordan or LeBron. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you get, um, yeah, well, man, don't get me started. I almost took your bait. Um, so you get out of the voice um, and you're on your own. What's the first song you put out on your own? Was that Cross My Mind? I think it's called Cross My Mind. Yeah. yeah and, you know, that one. It's had a little life of its own. I think it almost yeah. has like it has over 1.5 million. Yep, streams I on saw Spotify. on Spotify. It's got a ton of, of streams on it. One and a half million. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty legit. I don't think I even like register that when I say it. That like because in the grand scheme of things, that's not a ton. But like when you think you have like people have listened to your song a million times, you know, right. you're like, whoa! I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody's listened to my song. I don't. I have like point zero 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 one cent. Right? Yeah, streaming yeah. pays nothing. But I was um, about to say, I was like, I was jamming to your music this morning, getting hyped up, and I was like, yeah, I listened to a lot of his music. He probably got like, like I don't know, four hundredths of a penny for every time I listen yeah, to that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is, but I've heard it's horrible. Oh, yeah. I See, then this is a good, I'm not ashamed to talk about it, because it's a great little musician thing. I'm an independent artist, so I own my masters you know yeah. i own my recordings which is where the real money is in streaming yes own your masters i split them 50 50 with my producer who derek Furman, who co-wrote everything with me and produced it all for free and that was the deal as we split the master so you know if i have a particularly good month you know i've made a you know a couple grand off across my mind. Right. That's only because I own my masters. If I didn't own my masters and a record label owned my masters, I would make, I would have made like a hundred bucks off of that song, you know? Right. But I've gotten lucky owning half, half of my masters, which an independent artist, hip hop artist, Russ makes, he has a ton of streams. I mean, he has like, I think it takes to make, I think a million streams is like, three grand 
yeah. I think. And so, whereas if you sold a million copies of your single back during the day, you would never have to work ever again. No, you, know? you would not. Uh, and so a million streams is like three grand total. And if you own 100% of your masters and yeah. 100% of your songwriting royalties is what you're going to get. And so, um, again, I only own 50% of them. So like I, and then 50% of the songwriting royalty. So I don't see that three grand, but you think it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. A million yeah. and a half streams. And right, people are listening to this song daily and I don't even make, you know. No, I was like, all right, fifteen hundred dollars. That's, that's like the song. house bills for a month. Yeah, yeah, genuinely. Yeah, yeah it, it it's it's um. You see those like you know, which the WGA strike is over now, but SAG after still is on strike, and you yeah. know, thank God unions are really the backbone of this country. Uh, um, it you see those royalty checks that these actors get from reruns that are like a penny, and you're yeah. like. It's not fair. It's not fair. This streaming world is really nobody knows how to navigate it because it's so new, you know. Right, and especially since the folks that are at the top of that streaming avenue, the owners, they're getting, you know, gobs of money. Yeah, the record labels don't care to change it because the record labels are the ones that own the masters, and so they're not hurting. I mean, it's definitely affected their business in a big way, but like the songwriting is. It's three grand, but it you know for a million streams, it's not split down the middle. Like the the no. the master side of it is significantly more than the than the writer side of yeah. it, anyways. And so, like I don't know the exact split, but let's say if it's three grand for a million streams, maybe twenty two hundred of it is all for recording, yeah. you know, and the rest gets divvied out to yeah, the there all kinds of people that put their hands into that, and they all have a paycheck yeah. too. And your manager gets twenty percent. Yeah. You know, your if your lawyer is the one that negotiated your contract, then yep. they get five yeah, percent. Like yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it's it's a weird world to yeah. navigate because you used to could be a musician and not even have a hit and make really good money, yeah. and now you could have hits and you know still. I mean, I see so many successful musicians that still live in like apartments with roommates that have like you know, that tour the country, you know, yeah. and play for four or 500 people every night. And they still have like a two bedroom in right. LA with a roommate. Like they're recording as that's their, that's their job. That's yeah. They have to do it. Yeah. The tour. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it would, yeah. Hopefully at some point down the road that gets a little more artist friendly. Yeah. Well, it's really up to Congress, I think. And, and yeah. like, there's been several, you know, musicians that have lobbied for Congress to pass some laws that regulates streaming companies. And they kind of have, I think that there was one that passed a couple of years ago that Adam Levine really spearheaded, but it's just not enough. We, you got to figure out how to, how right. to regulate these companies where artists are actually getting paid their mm. fair share. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast about how our country. <laughs> We've really likes covered to screw a lot. Of, over. A oh, lot no, we're going a lot of ground. Uh, yeah. That's a whole nother podcast about how our, how our country screws over the the people that pretty actually produce the stuff that everybody needs oh, to yeah. live and breathe every day. Mm. Yes. It's a whole other podcast. Yeah, it is. We'll do uh, a panel. Yes, for sure. So um, so listening to your singles, mm-hmm. uh, I listen to them. Well, I've always listened to them. I always try to support local folks. Yeah. 
especially, you know, when you're getting, you know, a, you know, a hundredth of a penny per stream. It's mm-hmm. like, if one of your songs uh, plays on my Spotify list, the rule is don't change it. Yeah. <laughs> Let it play. Britain's going to get a quarter of the penny. Yeah. Let it play. Yeah. Let it play. You're feeding my family. <laughs> <laughs> Let that song play. So listen in this morning, I got to tell you, um, I'm a big fan of your song Better. Oh, yeah, that's um, a fun song. I use that in my classroom for, like, beginning drumming lessons. No I way. Do. Yeah, because your drum beat comes in. It's super simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the kids can go, you know, drum. And I use tambourines for cymbals. They all yeah. sit on the floor like a mini drum set. That is so practice. cool. And so they can go drum, tambourine, drum, yeah. tambourine. And then the drum beat pulls out, and then I can shout directions, or yeah. I can shout behavioral corrections if they're not yeah, listening yeah. to me. Then it comes back in, and then we can go back in. Oh man, that's so rad! So, I, that that thank you, thank you for yeah, telling me. So that. I, that one is like one of my go to for like all right, first time we're gonna do some mini drumming plans. <laughs> that that's, that's great. It's fun. I mean, obviously, like I listen to a lot of Prince, and I always have yeah. clearly, you know, with that song. Uh, but. Uh, we were looking for yeah, it's princey now. That yeah, I think about it. we were yep. looking for a post-chorus riff, and it was very. It used to be very synthy. We were having a bunch of different keyboard parts in it, and we were looking for like a synth horn, you know, very particular sound. And I played this riff, and we were like really just jamming with this riff for days. Yeah, and it would be like, uh, you know, it's got to get got to get better. Da da don't boom boom. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And then we were like, that's such a cool riff. That feels really familiar. That's such a cool riff. And then like three days into it, we would hear it. And the producer, the riff played, you know, da, 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 and he stopped and he looks at me and he goes, Ooh. And he's like, that's celebration. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was literally the horn riff. But yeah. And I was like, we just stole yeah celebration so we took it out i can't remember what's in there now but yeah. uh because i play them by myself so much i don't you know go back right, and right. listen to them but yeah we all we almost got in trouble for for <laughs> lifting uh is that cool in the gang the celebration yeah, cool in the gang? Gang. yeah we almost yep, got in trouble sure from, from yeah cool that's in the one gang. of my that's when someone asked me what's your favorite kind of music i go funk yeah and i was like that's it i was like funk and i said when i have my few told my wife a million times when if you having any kind of funeral for me or or memorial, whatever? I was like, just straight funk for the yeah, whole service. That is, is all so, I want. That is so funny. That's all well, I want. We'll get George Clinton to come and play right? Parliament Funkadelic. Yep, that's all I want, man. Just funk. My Spotify. Uh, I don't know if you, if you, you like listen Wolf? to Spotify much, but yeah. they've got this AI DJ thing. I've heard of it. I haven't oh, used it yet. It's so fun to listen. And so. He'll go. All right. Here's five tracks of you know of, of music you pull a lot, and it'll yeah. just be five funk music. So you all like the time. like Wolfpack? Do you one? know them? Isn't I it Wolfpack? I'd have to look them back oh up again. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have to send them to you. You have to send them to me. Yeah. I think it's V U L F P E C K. Uh, they're great. Yeah. Now I can't say I'm. Uh, I, now uh, if I deep dive any like current I'm funk, cut it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any current <laughs> funk, but uh, yeah, a lot of old funk. Just, you'll love you'll love these guys. All right, yeah, you have to send that one to me. Oh no, my phone just went out. I'm looking at our script. All right, let's keep moving on, uh, Britain. So yeah, better. I like a whole bunch, and um, and which is you know really poppy. But I when I noticed your your at least of those first singles that you listened out, they're 
they're all kind of poppy, but they're very uh, storyteller yeah. heavy, which is what I really like about it. Uh, is a good mix of the pop sound, um, but your story that goes yeah. with it very much, which I think is, you know, you don't get a lot of a lot of the songs. There's not a, it's not a heavy story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's very important to me, you know. And like, I think you know, the next record that I would make is probably going to be less less poppy and uh, you know way more story but there is like you know like cross my mind is like i mean that's a pop song but having you know like um i mean if nothing lasts forever why do you is like a really like insightful like you know that's a big question to ask in a pop song you know right uh and uh you know the uh god i can't even it's hard for me to remember my own words i can can, can mm. tell you a, uh, the you third line of the second me verse. having to remember stuff oh my god yes yeah. uh, it's what is that you know uh our endless teenage fights setting fire to the night to watch the embers you know like yeah they're, they're you know there's that they try to tell stories you know cross my mind that's kind of about like just being stuck whether it's a person or a place or whatever it's just kind of like why can't i shake this you know like yeah and you know better that's fun i wrote that was with a few people and not much of a story there but it, it's it that's a cool tune no i know that one was seemed to be the poppiest kind yeah. of tune that you had yeah it, yeah it definitely we just i think that was one of those where it's like let's do something that like a super prince that's got a nice little guitar solo in it and like you know it, that and, and it's funny because it doesn't sound like it, but Man in the Mirror was like a huge influence, which is my I'm obviously not Prince, but his rival, right. his rival, yeah, the Clippers to Prince Prince's Lakers, <laughs> uh, right? Is uh, Michael Jackson? When does he just called Michael Jackson the Clippers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no offense to the Jackson State, but uh, 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 just that. I got into really just listening to the vocal track of that song. Yeah. It's maybe the greatest vocal yeah, ever recorded. That's a great recorded. tune. Yeah, it's a great um, tune. And like, if you just go on YouTube and look up Man in the Mirror isolated vocal, it is amazing. And so we just like, you know, that whole like, you can hear it in the background. Yeah. That, of just like a choir, which is just me. Yes. Uh, that was very intentional because Man in the Mirror and there's, you know, sections where like, you know, you're hitting like the woo, woo yeah. on the, on the drum beat, which is yeah. very Michael. Uh, and so we just lifted from Michael and Prince and we were like, let's, we need to get another good guitar solo song. Yeah. I read, so something I've always wanted to do is like, I want to make a choir of myself. Yeah, you, know, you hear people, you know, the choir comes in and it's really just the singer, you know, layered yeah. on some tracks. It's like, man, I want to try that out. Watching um, Ray Charles, uh, the movie uh, Charles uh, Ray. Yeah, with Jamie Watching Fox, him yeah. and he just learns about doing tracks and he can't get a choir to come in or they're late or something. Yeah. He's like, oh, let me just do it myself. And he yeah. puts, puts them all down. I was Ever since I saw that movie, I was like, man. I want to try that out. What a great film, too. Yeah. Jamie Foxx is amazing in it. Jamie Foxx is just yeah, know, a brilliant musician in uh, his own right. Yeah. Oh, my. People don't really. He's a stellar musician. Yeah. Great, I mean, great pianist. Great, awesome. great vocalist. Really, really good. Classically trained. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know. Yeah. He's and so, worked, you know, really, really, you know, 
for a long time alongside Ray Charles for that yeah, movie. Yeah, they did know, a whole like bunch, yeah. Watching his hands and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, there's a few people that are very hardcore, classically trained musicians that are in the pop world. And yeah. A lot of people don't really know, like Lady Gaga is very classically trained. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. The jazz stuff that she does, the big band stuff, mm. is beautiful. So you put out an album in 2021, uh, Something You Can Break. How did that all come together? I thought that was a very clever name myself. I was like, you can break it. Just something, here's yeah. something you can break. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it, just break, break it. Break it. Which is a, a line from, you know, one of the songs. You know, I just want to give you something you can break is what it says. Uh, I, we, I'd worked on it for like two years. I worked on it for a really long time with Derek Furman. I, I mentioned before, a producer and co-writer. And we had a bunch of stuff that got cut that didn't make the record and uh, played with production for a really long time. And during COVID, we really like hunkered down and, you know, I'm a very serious, I don't like to get sick regardless, yeah, especially yeah. when it's like a worldwide pandemic. And so my like group was like my two best friends and Derek. And so, uh, and we all didn't see each other, but uh, anybody right. but each other. And so like my COVID experience was extremely productive so at first until were you here in COVID or still i was still in la i lived in la from basically the end of 2017 till the end uh till the beginning of 22 gotcha uh and um uh we worked remotely for a little bit just yeah Yeah, you can do a whole album remotely yeah my roommate stephen brewer whose parents own the flame uh and uh and you know the dairy bar and yeah, the new yep. great pizza place in town. It's I, I haven't I, been yet. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, he helped me record a lot of it in you know his room. We were living together at the time. He now has a great band, Alliance at the Gate. You know, shout out to Stephen also from Sanford. It's metal music. It's definitely not yeah. Britain Buchanan music, but it, <laughs> uh, but uh, he helped. I you know, smell record, a mashup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he recorded some vocals. You know, with me. And just to test the waters, kind of see what this virus yep. was going to do, kind of like, I don't think we waited until the vaccines really hit to start working in person again, but like that definitely helped that opened up because, you know, in LA, we were able to all get vaccinated really pretty early. Right, right, right. And because uh, so many doses were going to LA and people weren't getting them and they would just throw them away so you could just go you know and get yeah, it yeah, pretty yeah. early before that your age group was really opened up because i've noticed li- listen to other stuff people in a were like yeah i got my vaccine today and i'm like how did they get a vaccine it's not even available yeah and uh, yeah i i uh it's such a weird place to be in right now where they're like you need to get a booster but wait for a second because we're still right. tweaking it and so i'm like well, you better hurry up because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get sick waiting on you. Uh, but um, we kind of, that's kind of when we really started really going full steam ahead was when we were able to get uh, protected, you know. Right. And feel safer about and, being together. And feel safer about being together. And, and, and But it was a very productive COVID because we, yeah. which, you know. I hate talking about it like that because I feel selfish because a lot of people lost their lives or family members or whatever. But like for the first like two weeks, it was like the greatest readjustment of my life. You know, I was running so hard and it was just like a, you know, not only was it a don't take anything for granted because because 
it can all be gone in an instant. Yeah. But it was also it just a cut out a lot of the noise. Yeah. It was a slow down. You. See what you like. Like you have to appreciate what you have. I watched. I'm such a movie nerd. I watched so many movies and it was kind yeah. of like I watched so many movies to the point of I was like, you know, what's so special about film is it's escapism because when you when yep. you have nothing to do but sit in film you take it for granted and it becomes incredibly tedious to just sit there and watch another movie and i think what makes film so special is when you have so much and you're allowed to slow down and slip into right. another world because after two weeks i was like i don't know if i want to watch anything else. <laughs> you know i just want to go out and do something i mean i was in la i'm like yeah i'm in la locked in an apartment you know uh and so work you know was revitalized in that way i started writing a lot again watched a lot read a lot and all that stuff and so it was in a in a way the greatest thing is ever happened to me and also the worst thing that's ever happened to me because it stalled my career in an yes. unbelievable right fashion. you were straight right off the voice and yeah. started working on your own stuff and then everything stopped. yeah i toured the country with my cousin we were playing like three thousand i was opening for him but we were like playing three thousand c auditoriums and i was like in talks with managers and doing all that kind of stuff and was going to put out music even before covid but like yeah and it just Yep, everything it installed stopped. everything. So it was as a personal thing. You know, I was lucky to not lose anybody in my family, and lucky. I mean, I avoided COVID until July of last year. Thank God. Uh, and then when I did get it, I had a vac- my vaccines and my boosters, and I, I, like I was in rough shape as a twenty-two-year-old. You know, yeah, and I had so it last year too. It, it's, it was awful for me. I couldn't stand up for longer than five minutes at a time without legitimately my knees buckling and almost falling over. I was so weak and, uh, and I'm, you know, healthy, you know, like, yeah. I, like I don't have any pre existing conditions or anything like that. And, uh, which is all, that's all beside the point. Basically said it was personally, it was a really beautiful thing. I did that podcast I was telling you about. Yeah. Professionally, it was like a nightmare. And, right ultimately professional that doesn't matter you know in the grand scheme of things what matters is your health that's right safety but uh yeah we we did that during COVID. we recorded that and it was it was it was beautiful i'm very proud of it you know mm. yeah um yes yeah, it's, it's a great album you got a lot of your singles on there yep uh mixed in with some new stuff um uh, the tune Grace Kelly and Can't Help Myself yeah. are different because uh, you it's got the acoustic lead on there. Yep. Uh, what made you go back to your roots for those tunes? Well, Grace Kelly is, I, I personally think, is the greatest song that I have ever written. It is me, 100%. Right. You know, my love of film, my love of music, my love of... That's a great... It's a storytelling song. Yeah. That's probably the best story on the album. I have a lot of other songs I've written that I like just as much now. Uh, but uh, they're all like five or six minutes long. And so yeah. like, the fact that I was able to like whittle that down to like a really good three-minute story. Um, Can't Help Myself was just written that way, which is also a great song. If you listen to it closely, we intended it to be a very every breath you take undercover like stalker song yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we ch- had to change some of the lyrics at the chorus because we were like maybe it's too too much on the nose yeah, yeah. like 
the what I think it's uh, you know I can't be the hand your hand is held and I can't find the fix or break the spell but I can't see you with someone else. It was originally I can't uh be maybe it's be the hand your hand is held and then I can't tell you how your perfume smells because it yeah. was like a you know you're watching this person from a distance and we did it on purpose as like a subversive yeah, you know yeah. message in the song and we were like that's too obvious but it, it's, it's either too obvious or it's like why is he talking about her perfume like that yeah, and yeah. so uh we changed it for the better that's like also one of my favorite songs on that record uh great that's a great song um but grace that was just written like that grace kelly was also written like that but we tried really hard to turn it into something not you know like a pop song but i had seen the sound of metal which was a great movie that was nominated for an oscar it came out during covid you know as an amazon prime original and i saw it oh yeah it's great yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about a guy that he's losing his hearing yep, he's yep, a yep. drummer yep, yep. and there was a song at the end of that movie that was just like solo piano and the guy had like a vocoder on or something very like bone of air like harmonies that like computerized harmonies and i had played grace kelly the way that it was played on the record but i was like maybe we should try it like with the piano and maybe like a vocal filter where you have this like computerized like vocoder yeah. thing uh and that did not work yeah uh, and so we just were like let's just do it with the acoustic guitar then we kind of added the piano and the drums in it a little bit but right. um if I could go back, I'd probably do that that song with just uh, me and my guitar, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, that's 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 my that's my favorite. I figure that one was a little more personal to you because you yeah. went back to you went back to your beginnings. With it took me four lead. months to write. Actually, yeah. I wrote the first verse in thirty minutes and couldn't figure out where it went after that for the longest time. And four months later, I was laying on the floor of my shower in my apartment because I think a lot in the shower. Yeah. I was just like laying down sitting there thinking about it and without even picking up a guitar line for line the whole song came out four months later the second verse to bridge and the third verse Im immediately yeah and i kicked it around for four months and couldn't figure it out and so <laughs> i don't know if, it, if it's one of those where i just feel like i accomplished something or if right. it's actually that good but it's my that one's my favorite now on the tune um olivia and last time um, you starts out on piano. Is yeah. that you playing? That is me. Yeah. I wondered if that was you started yeah. out on that or not. Yeah. Last time for everything. I don't know if that's me or if it's just, that's that's a producer. But all the piano on Olivia is me. Yeah. Uh, last time for everything. I think my one of the producers that co-produced Ian Walsh. I think was messing around on the piano, and had that really filtered, you know, choppy. I was like, I want to write a Bruce Hornsby song, is what yeah, I said. Yeah. And so he was like, I worked on this track. What do you think? And he came in with that riff, and we wrote based on that, which is rare because that never happens. We usually just have two guitars and, you know. You know go back and forth. And you know, like melody and then write some lyrics. I'm more of a lyrics guy than I am anything else. Yeah. And so uh, when he came in with that, I was like, that kind of feels like Bruce Hornsby. Let's, let's write this song. So that one's not me. That's Ian Walsh. But uh, Olivia is me. All the rest of the piano on the whole record is me. Uh, but oh, just come. not that song. Yeah. So do you ever you ever envision yourself doing a, a 
tune like Prince, where he he plays guitar, he plays bass, he plays drums, he plays whatever. It's all him on the recording. A lot of it, a lot, most of the music on the on the recordings are me. Besides the all the drums, the only drums that are live are on Grace Kelly. The rest are programmed drums yeah. that we did in the computer. And so outside of the drums, pretty much. Every instrumentation on the record is me. Oh, you can you nitpick go. it. Every guitar solo, every piano. Uh, the song Be Brave on my record, which is very politically inspired. Oh, I was going to... Yeah, it reminded me. I didn't type it in here. I was going to bring that up, too. I wrote that one with Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. So I saw you posted. You went to the Matchbox 20. Yeah, he had us out. And then and that he had brought you out. I told my, my wife is like secretly in love with Rob Thomas for he's the, the longest time. He's the nicest dude. And I was like, look what Brent Buchanan got to do. Yeah, he's the <laughs> nicest dude. He had us backstage uh, before the show, which is rare, because usually musicians want you to come after and they right, can right, just right, right. say hey and jet out. He had us backstage and sat down with us. I hadn't met him in person. We had just written on Zoom for over an hour. Wow. That's so rare. You yeah, usually yeah, yeah. get like 10 minutes with somebody mm-hmm. backstage. We had us backstage before the show for over an hour. Um, but we wrote that song about you know what was going on during the pandemic yeah. with George Floyd and you know I I had marched with Jane Fonda and her group for climate justice about a month before the pandemic and then George Floyd happened in June and so I was in a very like you know put your fist in the air and march right. kind of mood and I was like I really want to write uh I needed him to kick it off because I was like, I really want to write something that says something, but I can't figure out how to do it without it sounding corny. Like Jackson Brown is really good at it. Uh, You know, Woody Guthrie, even going back to those old pro, they're really good at it. And they're really good at it because they're specifically very general, but very specific. It's so interesting. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. And Rob was like, what about this? I think about life is a one way ro- and saying the whole first verse verbatim. And I was yeah. like, what about this for a second verse? And what I think about life in the shape of a fit and like v- verbatim. Yeah. And so it was kind of split up that like Rob wrote the first half, I wrote the second wow. half. But uh, that song, besides the drums, I played everything and the, the bass, yeah. the guitar, the guitar solo, the piano, the the electro Rhodes electric piano, everything on that one is me. So, um, I thought you were going to ask what I would love to do. I'd love to do a show at the Temple to where, like, I, I'm a, I mean, I know that I'm a great guitar player. I've been doing that longer than I've been doing anything. And, and I'm, I'm not as good at the piano, but I love accompanying myself on the piano. I would love to do a show at the Temple with just a keyboard. Yeah. With no option for me to even switch to the guitar, so I'm not tempted, and just take a keyboard right. and just sit there and do all of my songs on the Billy Joel style. Yeah. 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 Prince did that too. Prince did his last couple of shows were just him and his piano. And he passed, unfortunately, but he was going to go on a tour that was like, oh, like a, I can't remember what it was called, but it basically just, you know, Prince and a piano. Wow. And just like Prince, you have a whole album you've never put out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he has many albums. He's got a whole bunch. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to any uh, Kevin Smith uh, movie director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. Of, but anyway, he did a shot of documentary. Prince documentary. Prince had yeah, the, about the most beautiful. Have you heard the story about? Is that what you're talking about? The most beautiful girl in the world. He wanted to do put yeah. that in one of his movies and Prince. Well, yeah, he no. did a whole like um, album release. Uh, and uh, Kevin Smith shot the documentary. He did a whole concert like at his place there, and what is it, Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, did a whole concert there, and 
and Kevin shot uh, like uh, listening groups and stuff that yeah. listened to the album and did a whole thing. He was there for like three or four days and they shot a whole thing. Kevin edited the whole thing and put it together and Prince just, he shoved, he, he just put a whole album, yeah. the documentary, it's all just in a vault. Yeah. And Never I think even put it post out. that one of Kevin's like, you know, not yeah. like, like a, like a movie movie, not a documentary. He wanted to put the most beautiful girl in the world in it, and Prince got really weird, and they had a big falling yeah. out over whether or not he could use Probably. the most beautiful girl in the world. Yeah, great yeah, song. Think, yeah, yeah. I thought that was weird. Look at that, Prince, just like Prince. He's kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> just album like in Prince. the vault. Yeah, no documentary though. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that'd be fun. All right. So what's what's next in your what's next for Britain Buchanan? I'm going to watch the USC Colorado football game. Yeah, uh, everybody's watching that, aren't they? Uh, well, I'm personally going to be a uh, watch, and you're not going to like this whatsoever because I'm looking at your shirt. Uh, but yeah. I'm a big Duke fan. I'm one for college game day at Duke today. I grew up in a family of Duke fans. And at that yeah. point, I didn't care. Um, but uh, I married a Tar Heel graduate yeah. and quickly became a very rabid Carolina fan. Although, I peacefully coexist with my fellow Duke brethren. I cannot get along with a Clipper fan if you ask me to. <laughs> and so uh, that's where I draw the line. Uh, but yeah, I like UNC. I like my two colleges are UNC and USC, yeah. uh, even though I love Deion Sanders and I've rooted for him every game. I don't like football at all. I got, only got into football because of Deion Sanders. And mm-hmm. I've rooted for him every game except this one. I hope USC pummels them into the dirt i'm a very big <laughs> living in la yep. and my friends uh have several friends that are on staff at usc well, if uh if uh oregon is any uh an inclination of what's going to happen yeah. usc will probably do a lot of pummeling because oh, colorado man. doesn't have and usc is even better than oregon and uh yeah. and um Colorado, yeah they don't have the size no, or the travis size hunter uh, he's still out right he's still yeah, out yeah, yeah. so they, they have no chance but mm. you know there's fight another. on Trojans yeah, fight here, on Britain just said at the beginning of the podcast about how sports wasn't his thing and blah 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 I know and here we are going on about the Lakers and football I started playing basketball <laughs> about a year ago and so I play basketball I try there's some groups I play basketball with I never played organized basketball but there's some groups I play basketball with you know once or twice a week and so I really I'm a big basketball fan at this point in my life rabid football that only started. I'm singing right. the anthem actually at the UNC Miami football game on the 14th. So oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I did. I, wish, I wonder if they'll show that on TV. I don't know. They I don't did. show that stuff. They don't very show often. the anthem anymore. I, yeah. I'm not going to blame that on Colin Kaepernick. I think <laughs> I think it's just boring TV. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's true. But. Um, uh yeah I did I did it for a UNC game last year on my birthday actually UNC Notre well, Dame basketball game uh, this should be more competitive though. now are those like favors or do you get paid for that they're favors yeah well you get that. like I, they gave me this shirt you get swag I was gonna wear my USC shirt but they, I would put on blue sweatpants and I was like yeah I don't want them to think I don't know how to color coordinate <laughs> red red blue. and yellow and and blue sweatpants man, it would, no it affect me whatsoever man. <laughs> All right, so um, we've. Uh, I know. Is this is this a record for how long you have gone? I'm gonna, uh, we'll be close. All we'll right. See how much more we talk. So I've got some fun, like uh, just All right. some uh, like uh, questions, like people would like you know just want to know. 
So if you didn't learn guitar, what instrument do you think you would have gone to? I'd love to know how to play a saxophone, but I have no patience. Super easy. No, or, super easy. Really? Saxophone's easy. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to learn. I mean, Bruce Springsteen is like, there's like, you know. Yeah, he's the tenor the t- solos in yeah. there. Yeah, and I wouldn't play music if it wasn't for him. He's a single-handedly most influential yeah. person in my life. Dave Matthews Band, another one. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, with, with Springsteen, like, uh, that's it. Like, him and Clarence Clemens at saxophone, yep. I'd love to learn how to yeah, do that. sax is super. It's the easiest woodwind instrument to play. Really? Oh, yeah. Super easy. All right. Go rent yourself one, like 30 bucks a month. Uh, learn a saxophone. I'll even teach you if you want. I'll and you, I'll take you up on it because I've yeah, always man. wanted to know. Super easy. Or um, uh, Lauren Winkins, you better listen to this. You would be much better teacher than I would be <laughs> in town. I don't know if you know Lauren, but she's a just world, just elite level clarinet player. Super yeah, woodwind player. I had to get I had to get on that because I've always wanted to learn. Yeah. Oh no, easiest of all woodwind instruments to play. Saxophone, you totally go for it. Um, uh, what is your favorite song to cover? Like if you. Oh, uh, when you sing, Which see that's one? so hard because it changes all the time. Right. My favorite song in the world is "Jungle Land" by Bruce Springsteen. But that's a nine and a half minute epic that mm. relies heavily on piano and saxophone, and so I don't do that. But I love to sing "A Case of You" by Joni Mitchell. I, yeah. I slow slow that down and really just like milk it, and uh, don't think twice. It's all right by Bob Dylan, which I also yeah, yeah. slow down and really just like do a little emotional version. So those two are probably my favorite songs to cover. Uh, what do you try to stay away from from covering? Is there anything you're like, no, I'm not going to do that? Or if you're, yeah, like, which <laughs> there's a particular artist that has gotten in trouble for their use of verbiage of certain slurs uh, and yeah, yeah, i play yeah. in nashville a lot and they're consistently uh covered and you know i believe in second chances for everybody right. you know I, I i am a big restorative justice person and read a lot of books about that but you know there's i don't <laughs> i told my Maggie the other day, I was like, sometimes when people request it and I like think about doing it, I feel like I said that word, <laughs> you know? Right. And so, uh, you know, I wish him the best with his yeah, career. You can tell but, me later. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I try to stay away from, from that. And and yeah. no like R. Kelly or anything. Like, right? You know, like, no, no, yeah. Nobody does R. Kelly it. anymore. Nobody does R. Kelly. Not that I was covering R. Kelly to begin with, but uh, no R. You Kelly. You should start covering hip-hop, man. That was great. It's I do good. Waterfalls a lot, yeah. you know, and I do like... Um, uh, I used to like cover like Big Papa and like yeah. How Do You Want It? Like I'm Tupac's a, How Do You Want I'm It? I'm a big fan of of playing music in like the opposite genre. Yeah, I used I'm to do that a lot. That. I'm a big fan of that. I've got a lot of uh, like pop tunes or rap tunes, but they're covered by like bluegrass groups. Yeah, well, I've heard that Gin and Juice, like the famous yeah. like bluegrass cover. Or, you know, yeah, I got oh, a lot of that on my playlist. I love just when something is. Is where it's not supposed to be. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a massive hip hop fan, and so like I'm pretty well versed. But I, I I I I don't know. I don't really think about it a lot in terms of like trying to get there. Besides waterfalls, which is always yeah. the best, because like everybody, you can see the anticipation on people's faces when I right. cover it in like Nashville. Of like, is he going full? Lisa left. I love yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he gonna do? Is he gonna do the, the rap? I seen the rainbow. Yes, and I always do. And then everyone's like, oh. Because they, I guess yeah, they think are it's they going to do fun. the ramp? Uh, 
which now I forgot about, you know, where the Millers, you know, that movie. Have you seen where? The yeah, Millers? yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kid, they play at the waterfalls comes yeah, on yeah. the radio and Kenny, the guy is, you know, does the rap and it's such a funny moment of the movie. And now I've, I watched it again recently and I can't help but think that I, kind of look like that dude (laughs) whenever i do it right i'm like is that why people are clapping or is it or is like because they think i'm like the lame kid and we're the millers um uh what is your favorite musician right now oh it's always bruce springsteen yeah but like in terms of like a that's like all time did you hear that alex podligar it's bruce springsteen yeah it's always (laughs) bruce springsteen and now noah gunderson yes i know i listen to him so i saw him in nashville on tuesday i just discovered him like a couple of months ago and his new record is one of the most perfect things. It's it came out twenty something days ago, and there hasn't been a day that's gone by where I haven't listened to it from oh, top I'll have to, to bottom. Take a look to it. It was called "If This Is the End." I saw him in Nashville on Tuesday, and I left the show. And before I got in the car, because I was in Nashville all week, I got in at two o'clock in the morning on yes, like yesterday morning technically, but uh, you know Wednesday night. Or Thursday night. Uh, but uh, I went, before I got in the car, I bought tickets to see him again last oh, wow. night in Durham. That's how good it was. Yeah. Was I left the show. I was like, I'm not going to go in Durham because I'm going to be tired. You know, I'm going to get in at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to feel like going on Friday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was so good. I bought tickets to see him again in Durham yeah. last night before I even got in the car in Nashville. And so... Um, I, I went to see him again last night, and he just really blows me away. Oh, spectacular. Um, what's your favorite kind of guitar to play? I mean, I love my acoustic. That big old, you know, the yeah, big yeah, one yeah. on the wall. I have a Bob Dylan Players Edition Gibson Signature Custom Shop acoustic. That's great. And then Alicia gave me a 1969 Telecaster. Oh, my while God. I was on, while I was on the show, excuse me. And... uh that's always a fun one to play. Yeah, lots of how many guitars do you have? Eleven, I think. Eleven. Uh, yeah, I've interviewed a couple people that are not about their guitar playing, but they're players, and they all have. Yeah, they all have got a few. Yeah, yeah, I have like you know three or four acoustic, several electric stuff you pick up over the years. You know. Yeah. Um, what's the best venue you've ever played in? The Ryman. The Ryman in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, is that there on the Strip? I've only yeah, been to Nashville yeah, once. So. It, well, it's right off of it, but yeah. I got very limited knowledge, but I've been to the strip once. It's off Broadway. It's like it's yeah. on the like, you know, Broadway stretches. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. That way and you go up one of the streets and it's not even a block up. And gotcha. so but it's, you know, they call it the mother church of country music and it was yeah. built it's a church, you know, it was built in the eighteen hundreds and it's where the Grand Ole Opry was for its first like thirty years and you know, it's the most legendary venue. The seats are pews, you know, yeah. and like I saw Bob Weir there. I saw Jackson Brown there. And the week before I played there, I saw Ringo Starr there. Oh, wow. And so He's it, still touring? Yeah, he's still touring. Yeah. And so um, it was one of those where I, like, I had just seen so many great shows there that by the time I played, I was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe like, you're there. You know, Elvis played on that stage. Yeah. It was one of those where it's like, wow. It's just, that's just the coolest place I've ever played. And that played. strip is really cool. I've only been once and i gotta say thank you lee county schools because music teachers uh-huh. got to go to a com- music conference there uh, about a decade ago 
and it was right there in Nashville at the convention center. And so one of many other teachers, we went that evening yeah. and we went and just walked down the strip and went to one of the, uh, the bars there and sat like in an upstairs window and just got to watch and yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a cool city. It's a, there's yeah. a lot of music there. I played the Bluebird Cafe there too, which is pretty like known for being like a, cranking out songwriters. Yeah, and so that's also a cool place to play. And it was fun because the CMAs were there at the same time. Yeah, so we were taking pictures and saying, "Hey, thanks, uh, Dr. Brian, the superintendent there, yeah, for sending us to the CMAs here in Asheville because they were, yeah. it hadn't it was like the day before everybody was getting there for the CMAs, but That's all the stuff was up. That's that, yeah, it's such a cool city. So yeah, it was like every little place there were there were so many bands playing at the same time. Yeah, it feels like a movie place. when you walk down the street yeah. because by the time you get past you know the you know exterior of a building i mean you hear all the music because the windows yeah. are open mm-hmm. and so but by the time you get past that exterior and you're in another person another business that it's like that music fades out and, and it, one's there. it's like you know when a camera is like panning somebody walking yeah. through a crowd and you just tune in on all these different conversations as they walk by them it's a trippy experience yeah there's quite a lot of music coming out of place it was crazy yeah. but i really liked it i would definitely go back again um what's an artist you would like to work with I mean, obviously Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah, But uh, in terms of that, I would like to work with, I mean, Noah Gunderson too. I'd like to write with Noah Gunderson. In terms of a like producer writer, like Jack Antonoff, who has the band Bleachers, but who also has produced, you know, Lana Del Rey and the last Chicks album and Taylor Swift and all this. I I know a good one. I'm a huge fan of the Killers. And so I would love to work with Brandon Flowers. I like the Killers too. Yeah. We sure do like the killers. Um, all right, Britton. So we're about at the end of this little show. So right. I got, um, I've got about six questions I ask everybody. And I'd just like to see okay. everyone's different. Not, not really music related. All right. So um, what is, and you can't say family okay. on this one. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Um, Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite smell? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Popcorn. Popcorn. Nice. Movie theater popcorn. For yeah, me. movie theater popcorn. Um, what's your favorite kind of sandwich? A French dip. French dip. No one said that yet. I like it. What's your favorite kind of drink? Uh, okay. This is where it gets complicated because I've tried to stop drinking sodas ever since i started working out with my brother so i haven't had sodas in a long time so all i drink is like water but a ginger beer yeah it's a little like heavier on the ginger than a ginger ale but it goes down a little softer like it's not as like aggressive as a ginger ale i like a ginger beer nice um what's something that makes you happy every time uh it happens oh uh well, obviously, like, I love hanging out with my wife. Like, she's right. my best friend. And so, like, any time that we get to, like, when my wife and I go to a movie, uh, even if it's, like, a sad movie, I'm yeah. just happy that, like, we just saw Candyman, you know, the yeah, movie yeah. from the 90s in a theater in Nashville on Wednesday night. And that was, like, the most content, you know, that I've Well, going to the movies been. is awesome. Anyway, I'd go yeah. all the time if I had time to do it. Um. And if you could give yourself, your kid self, an advice, 
uh, you could give yourself as a young, as in your youth one little bit of nugget of advice. What would you tell yourself? Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, you know that this is a hundred percent genuine, and I did it when I was a kid. I still do it now, but like I would say that like reading everything is as important as you feel like it is right now. Yeah. You know, like, and I've stuck with it. And like, there were times when, you know, people would be like, you, you're not doing anything productive. You're just sitting there and, and reading. Are you doing it? Like learning is just as important. Yes, it is. In terms of being informed is important, especially these days when misinformation is more likely to be believed than real information. Uh, and so being informed, but also just as like, if you're going to grow up and be a songwriter, like songwriting isn't the only writing that you need to listen to. That's right. You know, you gotta, you gotta be immersed in literature and information. And like, I mean, I, so funny, I read mostly nonfiction now, but yeah. like, uh, you just have, but that's where stories come from, right? you know? And so don't stop reading and, you know, just don't stop being a nerd. Like, that's the thing is like, yes. I yes. don't know why it's so cool. Here comes the the person that said they weren't very good at sports. Right. I don't know why it's so cool to have to be home for the game or like, or this person did this last night or, oh, I'm so passionate about my football team or whatever that people can do and still maintain like a work life, you know. But for some reason, if you're like know everything about the movie and you know the director and who wrote it and, right, right, right. The, you know, you know, the actors and you just love this new record or this new book is great that's that's nerdy do you know what i mean right it's not like art bono has that great line that music changes pe music can change the world because music can change people and i believe that ultimately just about art in general so don't ever like take that for granted be immersed in art at all times yes because i highly agree i mean that's what makes the world tolerable is good art you know good art Yes, I highly agree, man. Um, yeah, and I got to say, the the nerddom um, is only called that because I think it's kind of new, yeah. right? Um, uh, the fact that all of us, stuff that people thought was nerdy back in the day, and all those kids are now adults, and those adults have had kids, yeah. and their kids are into all that same stuff too. And so I don't think you were, people are going to refer to it as nerdum for much longer. I hope not. You know, just because yeah. it isn't Fellini doesn't mean that it's not worth your time. And that's what most people would have you think is like, you know, if you if you're into Fellini and you're into uh, Kurosawa and Kubrick and yeah. I, mean, I mean I mean I'm into Kubrick and all those things, then it's cinema. But if right. you like A Nightmare on Elm Street and Sleepaway Camp, then it's yeah. then it's a B movie just trash you know it's not worth right. like everything can inform everything you know how you do anything is how you do everything and so if all art you can hold is worth something yes, and is. sacred and you know like I always say that like you know if you want to talk about God and God is a creator then the the best way that you can live in an image of God or be an image bearer of God is to also be creative. And so if creative, if creativity comes from, you know, the source, you know, yeah. capital S source, then it doesn't matter what you're creating. It's right. sacred, whether it's 
not very good or it's great, you know, which so there is an inherent worthfulness in all art and you have to submerge yourself in it or you won't know what you're doing yep. at all. Creativity is sacred. There you go. You yeah. Put that on a shirt. There you go. <laughs> um, well, Britton, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Man. Um, check out all his music anywhere you stream music uh, and take a listen, listen to it a lot. Um, uh, he's got great, great stuff on there. And remember folks, find out what makes you happy and do it. There's a lot of life out there to live. So make the time and enjoy it and download Britain's music now. Yes. Thanks, man. We'll see you later. Thank you. Have a good week, everyone. It's not all